five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. On this week's episode of the Space Economy Podcast, my guest is Pavel Bordig of NextFarm, a precision agriculture technology startup based in Waterloo, Ontario, that less than two years after launching their ag platform for farmers are profitable and growing organically. Before we get to my fascinating discussion with Pavel, I'm excited to announce that starting next week, we're launching a new mid-season mini-series called Doing Business in the Solar System, hosted by Elizabeth Howell, our associate editor. The 10-part series will be distributed on the Space Economy channel and alternate each week with a regular episode hosted by me. If you like or have comments on the new miniseries, please do let us know, as your feedback will guide us in how we approach a follow-on series or standalone show next season. Okay, here's my interview with Pavel. Welcome, Pavel, to the Space Economy Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Hi. So, um, before we get into the details of what you do and the success you've had to date, how about you provide us a short backstory on how... NXT Farm or Next Farm, depending on how you want to uh, pronounce it, came to be. Yeah, for sure. So we'll go with uh, Next Farm for today. But um, so we started out at the University of Waterloo. Uh, it actually came out of a consulting company. So this consulting company was called H2O Geomatics, and they were formed by a professor at the University of Waterloo, uh, Claude Duguay. And he was the research chair of geography and remote sensing there. So essentially, the company was formed to do cool remote sensing work with the European Canadian Space Agency, Airbus, pretty much anyone who had satellites that were collecting any sort of data. So they started to work and develop all sorts of algorithms ranging from things like crop nitrate levels to ice thickness and permafrost detection. And they were doing really well in the space, doing a lot of interesting work. But a lot of these algorithms that they were creating, they ended up sort of flying around there. They were used for these initial assessments and these R&D projects, but they weren't actually being commercialized. So I came on board as the development uh, guy, the business development guy back in 2018. And my job was to essentially look at how to sell these algorithms and how to make them into a more usable product. So my background's in mechanical engineering from the University of Waterloo. And I was always interested in the aerospace side of things, but I kind of got myself more involved in the business side of space. And so got into it, started selling it, and we found that agriculture was actually a great space for us to be. A lot of our algorithms lined up really well with agriculture. And essentially, they were already using satellite imagery, at least to a basic level, with NDVI. So it lined up super well. They knew how to use it, and we were just giving them more data. So that was the genesis there. All right. So... um... You graduated from University of Waterloo in 2018. Were you involved with uh, H2 Geomatics uh, at the time, or did you come in uh, after you graduated? So I was involved with H2 Geomatics um, towards the end of my degree. I was lucky enough, so I actually made a company when I was in university, got that sold, got into the business side of things, and was very lucky to see Claude give a talk about some of the technology he was working on, saw some of the potential there, and then that's how we ended up meeting and putting this all together. So before I actually get into more of the company, I actually had a look at your background. 
uh, on your LinkedIn profile. And so I'm kind of curious about this because it says here that you did a four-month stint at CIBC as an analyst in their alternate solutions group. I find that interesting. Did that have any impact or any... Uh, uh, yeah, did it have any impact on, on, on what you decided to do with uh, going into H2O, H2O Geomatics and then uh, Next Farms? Yeah, for sure. So it was um, that was a co-op term at the university. And lucky for us, the University of Waterloo has a lot of co-ops. So you probably see I did quite a range from engineering to sales to eventually this more finance side of things. And Alternate Solutions Group was really cool. They were essentially an innovative group where they would take these existing finance financial products and then turn them into something that was usable in a mass market and actually be able to bring in a lot more clientele, offer new services. Um, and it was a lot of hectic work super busy and the experience I gained there was definitely quite beneficial in terms of figuring out how to approach commercializing this kind of product as well as you know being able to think in an innovative kind of way as to how we can approach these markets that aren't necessarily using this kind of technology yet. All right so uh, you graduate from the university you spent some time working uh, on H2O Geomatics while you were still there um, you decide that um, now was this your decision or was it your decision and um, it, Professor Duguay uh, to sort of spin off and create a, this commercial entity? Yep. So we actually didn't ever imagine we'd be making another entity. It was we imagined we would sell a few of these algorithms, you know, use it to supplement the money that they were already making. But the way it actually ended up taking off, and so in our first pilot uh, season, let's say we expected to get about forty thousand acres on this pilot version of NXT farm. And we ended up actually getting 400,000 acres on there. So that was the point where we realized the potential was much higher and we should probably create a full spinoff where this, it would exclusively manage this platform and the agriculture side of things. And what was the time frame of that where you made that decision? So that was in 2019. So got in 2018, built the initial early prototypes, got that launched. And then by 2019, we were pretty sure that this had to happen. Okay. So when you uh, launched Next Farm, uh, your platform was still in uh, development, uh, I, I'm guessing. Is that mm -hmm. true? And yeah, then um, have you launched the production or taken it out of pre-development and full-blown product now? Yeah, so that happened in the winter of 2019. It was an extremely hectic development cycle, but um, we will launch with a very simple product where essentially you would just select your farm, the boundaries of a field per se, and we would pull imagery for that. Now it's evolved to having many more tools that someone can actually use to withdraw a lot more value than just the imagery. All right, so now let's get into some of the nitty gritty. So from mm -hmm. what I understand, uh, what you do is you provide a web application uh, to farmers, uh, and those farmers then use that application to better manage their crop, right? Uh, and sure. they do that, and, and the application that you provide provides them with information to track the health of their crop. So, uh, and it uses these algorithms that you've taken that were previously developed. I'm sure you've modified them since then, uh, updated them, and are always updating them. So. Tell us a little bit about what the actual product is, because is it just one product or is it actually, because I noticed that on your website, you say that there are four um, different um, 
I suppose you call them algorithms that they can take advantage of, or are they actual for individual products? Sure. So essentially what this looks like is we have a web platform. If you go to NXT farm, you can create an account and then you can submit the shape files, what they're called for the actual fields and receive imagery for them. So this platform downloads, gives you all these algorithms. So our main ones right now are going to be the crop nitrate, uh, crop water stress. So actual water content of the crops. Um, we use a bunch of vegetation and disease like NDVI, NDWI that just give an approximate vegetation health and overlaid on top of that we have alert systems to help with early detection as well as all sorts of planning tools so the three main areas we're really contributing in here is we're letting people modify how they're doing the fertilization practices especially with the crop nitrate they know where to fertilize how to fertilize and when to fertilize so that helps them save money time everything better and get higher yields then we also detect pest and disease early um, using all these different indicators. We can essentially combine that and track when changes happen that would indicate a presence of a pest or disease. So then catch that, remedy it, and they're good to go. And finally, irrigation practices. So we're getting crop water stress. We know exactly the requirements in the field so you can minimize water usage while actually increasing your yields. All right. Now, some of our audience will not know some of the terms that you mentioned, so we're just going to get you to, 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 to provide a little bit of background on, on each of these. NDVI, mm -hmm. NDRE, CCCI. So the algorithms, they'll say great, but if you could provide a little background on each of those so that the, because not everybody's going to be an agriculture specialist that listens to this. Yeah. So these are all essentially just vegetation indices. And there's not much more um, that we really goes into them. Um, for example, NDVI is normalized differential vegetation index. And that's essentially just a ratio of the red band in optical imagery and the near infrared band in optical imagery. And it's a representation of like the greenness of a crop, as well as essentially looking at the chlorophyll content. So CCCI and DRE do very similar things, except some of them will saturate less easily so if a crop is really green you would prefer to use ndre ccci in certain conditions when crops are smaller was more preferred so different use cases but i'll do similar things in measuring chlorophyll now since i'm not a farmer how easy or difficult is it for a farmer to understand how to use these tools so the approach we took, um, we actually started working with agronomists who are, they're sort of like plant doctors, you can think of them as, and many of them act as consultants to these farmers. So that's our layer in between the farmer that really helps out. We try and boil down all of this imagery and analysis that we do to be as simple as possible in terms of recommendations. Our end goal is almost for them not to even know that this is coming from satellite. We're just giving them the best recommendations out there from a bunch of different data sources. But as of right now, they'll get this. It'll show them where an issue is occurring. And then an agronomist will come up with a more detailed plan as to exactly how to deal with this. Now, the platform has gone uh, production a little over a year now. Um, how is the uptake? Um, how, how, well, actually, in answering how is the uptake, uh, maybe you can tell us how you actually find customers. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really great question. So when we started out, uh, we really didn't know the agriculture scene very well. And it's very, very different industry compared to what I've been used to being in engineering. It's very like connection based. So a lot of what we did was cold calls initially, but uh, luckily it's really sped up to this point now because 
a lot of people know us and they've actually heard our names in the agriculture industry. So we'll have people just hopping on the platform, trying it out. And we've made that flow to get into the platform pretty easy. We also are pretty global. So we work with a lot of different countries outside of Canada. We're in the US, uh, South Africa, Brazil, Ukraine. A lot of these areas have different agricultural practices, but there's really great intermediaries that are managing millions of acres there. So they're the kind of people you can get in touch, close some deals, and all of a sudden you're managing an extra million acres in farmland. We were on a conference call a few weeks ago. I can't remember which one it was, which one it was. But I thought I heard in the background that you, at the beginning, were making like 100 cold calls a day? That was, uh, yep, that was the case. Wow. I don't think I've done that before. <laughs> and I've been involved in some startups. Uh, it takes something to, to, to be able to do that. All right. So, all right. So are you at the stage now where people are finding you or are you still having to really go out and market yourself? Yeah, so uh, a lot of the agronomists are finding us. We don't contact them at all anymore, which is really nice. And the only people we're actually reaching out to now are much larger partnerships. So recently, the big South Africa deal we have, for example, we closed a deal with AgriMotion, and they manage a huge chunk of the actual tree farms in South Africa. So those kind of deals give us access to um, just commercial levels of agriculture land, which we could never have accomplished by just cold calling agronomists. So that works out very well. And we've had some of them approach us as well. So, so let's, let's talk uh, customers a bit. You mentioned South Africa. You said you're also in Brazil, the Ukraine, uh, the U S um, what about Canada? Uh, up, uh, What's the uh, uptake in Canada? Yeah, so Canada is, it went really well. And that's, of course, where we started initially. We were familiar with the Canadian agriculture practices in general. We knew a lot of people were using satellite imagery, so the pitch was much easier. Um, the prairies specifically have been excellent for us because obviously they have extremely large fields. And one of the best ways for them to get insight on the entire field is to use satellite imagery. So that went particularly well. Ontario is a little harder because it's somewhat cloudy. Um, Alberta uh, has been pretty good as well. And so as we expand out actually into radar, we're hoping that some of these areas like Ontario and BC will become even larger clients for us as well. So in terms of markets, is Canada your largest market or do you have a larger market uh, elsewhere? Uh, so the U largest right now is the U.S. Uh, specifically, the two states we're looking at are California and Texas. Now, in October 2019, I saw a video or something where you had 26 pilot users. You had 400,000 acres uh, currently under management and you had said in the slide over 1 million acres waiting to be onboarded. Can you give us a rough idea of how much, uh, how many acres you have uh, onboarded now? Yeah, so we have almost 2.5 million acres under constant management, so receiving imagery like every five days or whenever available at Sentinel, and if people are subscribed, they'll, of course, get more from premium sources. But um, we've done analysis for over 50 million acres now. So people do occasionally recruit us to do large scale checks for uniformity and other like custom analysis contracts. So we've gone quite a long way from there and we're at over a thousand different customers now as well. A thousand different customers. Okay. Um, all right. So before I get into a little bit more detail on, on the business side of it, 
Um, how many people work at the company now? So we tend to fluctuate based on um, the actual needs, being that we work closely with the university, we have access to a lot of talent there. Currently, we're at 10 people, and that's probably one of our larger amounts. I think we've scaled to like 14 before, but 10 people seems to be our comfort zone right now in terms of making sure everything's managed efficiently. And how many of those are, are full-time as opposed to, let's say, co-op students? Everyone of the 10 people is full-time. Everyone is full-time. Okay. So you've grown. Um, now, in terms of funding yourselves, is it all uh, self-funded? We actually, so on the funding side of things, we had HO Dramatics, which we're very lucky to have, of course, because the consulting company was doing well in bringing in revenue. They were able to fund the initial development of the platform. And as soon as the platform launched, of course, operational costs aren't very extreme for something like this. And securing contracts, we became profitable pretty quickly within the first few months of launching the platform. Uh, all cloud-based? Obviously, yep, well, actually, I shouldn't say obviously, there are some companies that, don't, that aren't in the cloud. Uh, what's your preferred platform, if you care to tell me? <laughs> we're actually in the middle of moving platforms right now. Um, we oh, can I guess? <laughs> we were a GCP before, and we're now moving to AWS. Uh, we got pretty used to the GCP, like we're very familiar with it, and we've also done custom development in AWS. So honestly, I think both of them were really good. Um, AWS just kind of, we got, because of our involvement with CDL, we had a lot of credits available with them and a lot of perks for switching over. So it was kind of a no-brainer for us to take on that deal. But both great platforms. Yeah, I, I think there's all the platforms have their pluses. Now, to succeed in this business, uh, in part, um, you need data. So mm -hmm. where do you get your data? Yeah, so we, our goal is essentially to become a large hub of all these different data sources that you contribute to agriculture. Of course, the easiest way to start out is Sentinel. So Sentinel 2 is the core source for most of our products. That that's has a European for satellite for those people who may not know. Yep. So that one's great. Um, we also use Sentinel-1, of course, also a European satellite, but um, a SAR satellite, static capture radar. Um, that one is particularly good for some of the new vegetation indices that are coming out that you can actually derive from radar. And of course, you don't have the cloud cover issue. But we're really working on trying to incorporate more of other sources so that we can really compete in the sense that we can give daily data, we can give higher resolution data, and you get enough information coming in at some point where it's almost it replaces a person going out to the field for most things. And that's really where we want to be. We also integrate with ground sensors as well and sensors based off of machinery. So a lot of them capture things that a satellite currently can't. For example, a soil moisture probe, you can stick in 60 centimeters into the soil and you're getting moisture deep down. And that kind of data, we actually combine with satellite data to add even more value and essentially extrapolate all those values across a field. So replacing having tons of sensors. All right, so you're getting uh, data from Sentinels European Space Agency, the, the Sentinel-1 and Sentinel-2, you said, right? Yep. Uh, any, any other satellites? 
Yes. So, um, of course, RadarSat, we've looked at a lot. RadarSat 2 has a lot of value, um, specifically on the soil moisture front, of course. And our researchers have been working at developing some different algorithms around that that are still in progress. So we'll keep that on the down low for now. But um, yeah. I think there's a lot of value from that satellite in general. And we what believe RadarSat Constellation mission. Yes. So we actually, since that last meeting that we were both on together, um, I've reached out to them, spoke to them, found that the regulations actually seem to be much more lenient uh, for us now, which the initial impression I'd gotten was the way our setup works. We wouldn't be able to access the data, but it looks like we actually will be able to set this up, especially on AWS. So we're looking at actually offering RCM data or processed, of course, products from RCM in hopefully for this next growing season. So starting in mid-April. And other data? Other uh, satellites? So, yeah, we've used the planet scope um, in the past. So we have the integration set up. Um, it's great for getting data near daily if needed for optical. Um, we also use ISI, so, or have at least experimented with ISI. We'd like to integrate them a little more, but we're assuming we can get their satellites, their SAR satellites, to actually be able to derive that same vegetation product. So it'll be a nice addition with Sentinel-1. So Now, uh, are you in the future, um, do you have any plans of possibly putting up your own small satellites that will get, you know, have your proprietary uh, um, sensors to, to, to get you data or, or are you just going to use third parties? Yeah, I love that question because it gets me really excited. I am, of course, a mechanical engineer and I went in for aerospace initially was my goal. So that would, of course, be an absolute dream. Um, so one thing we do do a lot because of our research, we have a hyperspectral sensor on a drone. So from different trials that we've run, we found certain bands that are extremely effective at picking up specific issues in agriculture. And those bands are not currently accessible in satellites. So if we get to a point where we can make a big enough business case off one of these and hopefully find a few other applications of a specific band that isn't up there, I think that at that point, it makes a lot of sense to actually raise money to get satellites in orbit. And in terms of uh, getting data, you're going directly to, to the sources now, but are you using any aggregators as well? Like let's say Skywatch, who's also in your area? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. So we've worked with Skywatch previously. They have an amazing system. Um, they're, they seem to be focused on the paid imagery, though, and we use a lot of Sentinel. So we don't want to drain their right. system with Sentinel. And our approach is being Sentinel Hub, who essentially, they just charge a certain fixed cost, and we can access Sentinel from them. That being said, when we move over to like using paid imagery in much larger quantities based on user demand, I think Skywatch is going to be our go-to. So um, I'm a farmer. I tried out your platform. Um, how did you determine pricing? And is it, uh, since I have no idea what your pricing is, and you don't have to tell me if it's proprietary, um, is it cost effective? Do you, is there any factors that will bring down the cost? Yeah, so our base product ranges from $2 per acre per year if you're a very small scale to $0.10 cents per acre per year if you're a very large scale, and this is in Canadian as well. So it ends up being quite cost effective, being that you're receiving imagery every five days, get all the analysis tools, everything else in there. And we run 
close to at cost because of course we have our computing costs in the background for this our goal was essentially we wouldn't shoot to price this up and try and get as much money out of these initial products we want as many people using it as possible and then with that we can continue to derive new insights make more valuable products and hopefully they're valuable enough that we can charge even more at some point for additions to this now um, you're self-funded you're saying uh, you're cash flow positive. Uh, uh, you guys are making money, right? You're not uh, bleeding. Um, mm-hmm. What are the plans uh, going forward? Do, uh, are you looking at uh, doing any funding rounds or are you strictly going to stay private and, and grow from your own capital? Yeah, so we really like growing from our own capital. It's been nice because we know the kind of growth we're getting is sustainable and we know everyone who's involved in it we're, there's no trying to push up numbers for the sake of pushing up numbers um we're doing what we think is best for the product that being said of course if we come across an opportunity like launching satellites that'll give us very specific insights that we know will generate you know a certain amount of millions of dollars in revenue and is like definitely worth it and minimizes the risk at that point we would definitely consider raising to actually be able to access money and be able to do that and what about competitors? Are there any competitors out there that worry you or are you just, uh, you, you've developed a bit of a niche and, and uh, you've got a first mover type platform? Yeah, so there's definitely a good amount of imagery providers out there. Um, I think a lot of them try and find some sort of niche. So Fluorosat is one that we're very familiar with. They have a very nice platform for being able to view general imagery. Our, and get insights out of that, of course, as well. Our focus has been on really extracting data from the satellite imagery. So we're different in the sense that when we create an algorithm, we know we're the only ones who have that algorithm right now. So we focus on extracting value out of that. And we even work with companies like these other imagery providers to let them access our imagery via API. If they want to extract more insights out of it, they can feel free to. Now, looking at your website, you say coming soon for a variety of things. Can you tell me uh, what new products uh, and uh, advances that you've got upcoming? Yeah, definitely a few exciting ones. So actually, i probably start out with um, oil and gas. Uh, we've pretty much realized as we were working on this that we had there's a lot of environmental impact assessment tools that we can offer using this kind of data and one of the big things is we can actually track reclamation of land for oil and gas so to close down the site we've got to make sure that all the crops are healthy have grown to full size and so we can essentially assess that and allow for more remote assessment so we're working with few companies in that area we're also looking at permafrost analysis um, to essentially identify risk for certain sites that have been in permafrost since they were initially formed and to essentially identify when those might leak. So to minimize any sort of environmental issues, it can be cleaned up, dealt with before any actual issues occur. So definitely two really exciting opportunities for us there. Um, we are also very focused on using SAR data in agriculture. We think that's definitely going to be a new frontier for egg. A lot of areas don't use satellite imagery at all right now, purely because of cloud cover. In egg, it's very important that when you have an image taken, you get within 12 hours, you need to see 
um, something to be able to act on it. And if you go a month without imagery, then, you know, a bunch of things can go wrong in your field. The conditions could be a thousand times different. You could have already lost half your crops. So SAR is our approach to essentially assess all these indicators and then be able to give people insights on the fly. So definitely something we're excited about. Mainly it's going to be vegetation indices as well as um, soil moisture, which we'll be looking at there. And what else are we looking at? Okay, so of course, um, our actual crop disease is a big point for us. Um, we want to have as much actionable data on our platform as possible. Uh, so we're actually looking at a bunch of disease models that are currently based off of weather and ground conditions. And we're looking to augment them using satellite imagery so you can see present conditions and actually be able to identify when something doesn't actually have a crop disease yet, but is at a high risk of it. So that you can get out there, treat it, and never have the issue and save yourself you know, hundreds of acres of crops. So I think that's, uh, will give people a really good insight into your company. Is there anything that I may have forgotten to ask that I should have asked? I believe that's a pretty good oversight there. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Pavel, for being on the Space Economy podcast. Um, as your business grows, and it sounds like it's growing nicely, uh, we'll get you on the show when you've got some uh, new products uh, to talk about. Absolutely. Sounds great. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Your feedback is very much appreciated. Please use our Twitter channel, at The Economy Space, to contact us or send an email to podcast at spaceq.ca. If the podcast service or app you use offers the opportunity to rate this podcast, we would please ask that you do so. Your review will help others discover our podcast. Thank you.